You spent obviously 10 years at this morning and it became slightly irreverent, which I like, the, la the laughter. <laughs> well, it did become slightly irrelevant. Yeah, irreverent. irreverent. <laughs> and I'm slightly irrelevant now, but anyway. But, um... <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, Raymond and I went for a stroll in London St James's Park with the much-adored TV presenter and now best-selling novelist, Fern Britton. Now, Fern's dog was at home in Cornwall. I say dog, she refers to him rather fabulously as her grandson because he's her daughter's beautiful little rescue, a chihuahua called James. So Fern brought along her friend's dog, who she called her goddaughter. Again, fabulous. A very cute cavapoo called Olive. Fern is a joy to spend an afternoon with. She's incredibly charismatic and absolutely hilarious. So we had the best time. We talked dogs, obviously, but we also chatted about her childhood, growing up in Ealing, and then Buckinghamshire with her mum and sister Cherry and brilliantly colourful grandmother. And she also spoke really movingly about how she got reunited, in a sense, with her dad, who was a hugely successful actor called Tony Britton. And despite him not being around much when she was young, they did manage to form a really lovely friendship over time. We also talked about her TV career, which wasn't ever really part of her plan growing up. It was something she kind of fell into. Her 10-year stint co-anchoring this morning and the incredibly successful career she's had as a best-selling novelist since she left and also as a very devoted mum to her four kids. Fern also told me about her brilliant latest book, The Good Servant, which is so fascinating. It's a historical novel based on the life of Marion Crawford, who was a governess to the Queen and Princess Margaret, and she was sort of cancelled after spilling all her secrets in a book. But Fern presents her as a much more sympathetic, wronged character, and I couldn't put it down, so I really recommend you give it a read. I am such a fan of Fern's, and I know you will be too after listening to this. She just struck me as a very warm, genuinely decent person with a mischievous sense of humour. And I get the feeling that she never got caught up in fame or celebrity. She's just happy writing from her blissful Cornish home, spending time with her kids and, of course, her Jawawa grandson. Do check out Fern's wonderful book, The Good Servant. Please give us a rate, review and follow if you like this. I'll stop talking now and hand over to the legendary woman herself. Here's Fern and Olive and Raymond. Which way should we go? I'm from Ireland and I used to watch you on the morning. I thought oh. you were Ireland, you were very good. Thank you I so to, much. I love it. Thank I you. I used to get it in Ireland and I used to, I used to, I used to, oh. say, to say to my children, I said, what's this from Britain? Hey, girls. I remember watching her on television. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. It was great. Do one very quickly. Okay. Lovely to meet you. Bye. Bye-bye. Come on, Raymond. Fern's a bit of a national treasure, it has oh, to be said. Oh, hardly. It means I have to charge people for parking if I am. Oh, no, that's National Trust. Sorry. Come on, lad. Come on. Oh, lady, I mean. Let's go. I keep calling you lads because I've got a lad at home, see? Right. Lovely. Right, we'll go. Good girl. Let's go here, Fern. What Good do girl. you think? I'm, I'm do you want to get past us? I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm feeling all right. What about you? Yeah. Let's do that. Meander down and round. This is lovely. Isn't Who's nice? a good girl? Who's a good girl? Fern wasn't saying that to me. I wish she was. <laughs> she's my idol. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled to have I'm this woman on my podcast. Here. I'm with the very wonderful Fern Britton. We're in St James's Park. And in London. In London. <laughs> and you're with... Oh, Fern, what's happened here? Uh-oh. What? Um... Raymond, are you... Well, fair enough. I mean, that often happens with me. You do get caught short at these moments. I don't always do it on a... Oh, and a nice one as well. Well done. <laughs> Jolly good. I've got these <laughs> posh poo bags. What, what are they, Balenciaga? What are they? <laughs> that's a big one, isn't that's it? A, that's like a very big um, chipolata. Long, like three chipolatas added together. <laughs> Well done. Well done, Raymond. Oh, Raymond, well done, darling. That was Good. a quick at the beginning. That was lovely. <laughs> now, Olive might tr try the same in a minute. I'll find a bin, because don't you find, as someone familiar with dog walking, 
the worst thing is when you're carrying the poo around and then you run in, especially with someone like you who gets stopped and recognised, and then people's abiding memory is, she's a lovely fun bit, but she smells a bit of poo. <laughs> they say that whether I've got a bag of dog poo or not. Come on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, well, we've got lots to talk about. I want to talk about your fabulous book, The Good Servant, which I, I stayed up till very late at night reading in one sitting. It's so good. Did you good. really? Thank oh, you. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, so, thank you. And we're appropriately enough in a sort of royal... We are in a royal park. Yeah. Yes. Oh, what are these, Fern? Yes, they're, they're, they're... I can't remember the name. How stupid of me. Um, they're like great big cranes of some kind. They're like, you know, they, they sort of look pinky creamy white on the back. Oh, they're yes. on the stones. What are they called? They have them in America sitting on the boardwalks on the west coast and they're called the producer just said very helpfully and i like that she said mallards no no oh pelicans <laughs> no is it a pelican yes okay let's go with pelican yes you see how wow. amazing i don't know why they're here they must have been brought over but in the olden days when i was doing this morning i would come be driven down this road straight through um parliament square and every morning i'd have a look for them and there they are they're huge aren't they they must be about three foot tall. Well, and Canada geese. Oh, Canada yeah. geese yes. apparently lay a trail of about a, um, a metre of poo for every metre they walk. They just, they just cover the place in it. Is that right? Yeah, Canada oh, geese. That's like Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> so introduce me to the dog you have today, because this isn't your full-time dog. This is, a, this is a my goddaughter dog. This is Olive. She's uh, just turned two, two days ago, and she's a cavapoo. So between a cavalier and a poodle. And she's beautiful, and she's a very good girl. Look at her. She's I've got a few lovely. Bickies in my pocket. She knows about that. A couple oh, of treats. Oh, did you bring Bickies? Yes. I wonder whether Raymond might like one, do you think? Are you interested? Oh, he's very picky. But he's, yes, he's having... Hello, Olive. You can have one as well. Good girl. There we go. Look at this fan, you see. Yes, how old is he? He's uh, four, but I lie about his age sometimes. I feel he's quite small, I'm a bit ashamed, so I think if I end up, someone said, how old is he? I said, he's two, and he's actually four. He's four. Well, he's 28 in dog years then. And did you enjoy that? Am I a friend now? Oh, he's lovely. And why is he Raymond? Well, this is about you, so I'm going to keep this brief, not me. <laughs> no, it's all about you. Come on. But, um... I named him after my late sister, oh. who, yeah, and she died of cancer and she died very swiftly. But yeah, and I called him Raymond because her name was Rachel. Oh. And I thought Ray was, when we lived in Australia, that was her nickname. So it was a nod to her without being, frankly, weird. No, <laughs> exactly. Well, no, that's wonderful. Very good. And her children are okay? Yeah, they're okay now. It was tough initially. Yeah. But yeah, so he's lovely. He's my little joy. And you love dogs, man, don't you? You're I a do. Dog I do. The little dog in my life is, oh, yes, this is Olive, hello. <laughs> People smile, little children say, hello. Um, the dog in my life is my grandson, James, and he's a small chihuahua, an apple-headed chihuahua, and he was born in Russia and was bred to breed. So he has a tattoo on his tummy, which was the thing that, um, excuse me, crossing over you, she just needs to sniff a bar or two. Oh, what are you doing, Olive? Sniffing through the bars in case there's any mice or anybody in there. <laughs> I'm going to go the other side. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's got a tattoo on his tummy from where he was exported to the UK. Oh. And my daughter rescued him because he had been through maybe three or four places where he was treated as um, a stud dog. Really? And they always loved him, but he was passed on. And I can't, pa I couldn't pass on a dog even if he was just a stud dog. I say just, I mean, he's yeah. a dog. And he's the dearest little thing. He, he just loves us. And when he first came, he was so sort of, I'm in the sex industry, you know, <laughs> and just get humping your leg. But <laughs> he's gone beyond that now, thankfully. We don't see quite so much of his lipstick as we did in the beginning, you know? <laughs> he brought his work home with him. First. He did, he, he did. Went. He did, he thought, okay, here's a new family. What do you want me to do? Where are the lady dogs? But you know you don't need to anymore. But he's very funny on the beach, because we're in Cornwall, so 
he meets up with lovely lady dogs that he likes very much. Generally, they're much bigger than him. So he says to them, look, just stay there for a minute. I'll go get my stepladder and I'll be back. And by the time he gets back with his ladders, they've gone. So, yes, dear little James, he's lovely. And he is everything to my daughter who really adores him and he worships her. Aww. So that's good. But when it's granny daycare, when she's working, yeah. he, he loves me too. So that's nice. And Although, did you have dogs growing up? Because yeah. you, you were in Ealing originally and then you moved to Buckinghamshire, didn't yes, you? Yes, that's so, right. Yeah, did you have um, pets when you were growing up? Well, um, we didn't for a while because my mother was in the middle of a divorce and moving out of a big house into a smaller house and I was so young, I didn't really appreciate what was going on but looking back, you can see the last thing she needed was a dog. But when she met my stepfather, he brought a dog with him who was um, a Welsh Springer Spaniel and Derry was a, a very good dog. He was lovely, very fond of everybody, so loving. And if I took him for a walk, I'd hide in the, in the long grass in the field and call his name and he'd come and find me. And he'd look after me if somebody came up, up, came up and looked a bit suspicious. He'd bark ferociously, but he was not a ferocious dog, you know. Yeah. And then after that, we got another Springer Spaniel called Teasel. Unfortunately, she had a kidney problem and she didn't last longer than a year. And then we had cats, lots of cats. <laughs> so I'm very much a cat and dog lady. Well, it's interesting because I used to have this idea of a dog family when I was growing up. Because yeah. I grew up, I guess, similar to you in some ways, in a sort of media family Come with on, performers Danny. and Hang parents. On, Joel just wants to say hello to these ducks. <gasps> look at them. Now look, lads, Fern. with your babies. So Canada geese with orange beaks. Hello. Hissing, but actually wanting some dindins. They're the size of like little bantam chickens, aren't they, the babies? Fern, that noise doesn't sound good. Does that, does that mean he doesn't like us, the geese? Well, I think he's saying keep away, but have you got a sandwich on you? I think that's what he's saying. Sorry, my life. Yeah. <laughs> keep away, but have you got a sandwich? So anyway, you lend us a 20 quid. Um, but yeah, when you grow up in those sort of families a bit more, I suppose I would look at these, I used to call them dog families. Yes. And they had a Volvo and a dad that was an accountant. There's an escaped baby there. Oh, it's yeah. all right. We'll send him back in. Go on, in you go. In you go. Oh, it's all right, duckies. Don't be cross with us. We're trying to help you. In you it. go. Good, baby. Well done. Good geese. Well done. Good geese. Look at the fan. I've never seen the geese's tongues That must be up. the daddy going, you know, I'm protecting my family. He's got anger management issues. He, he, do you know, he's you're right. Yeah, so... I would look at these families in North London I grew up and I'd see the dad was, it's often an accountant, and they always had a Labrador, and they were, dogs to me represented, I suppose, stability, reliability. Yep. And friendship. Yes. And I want, so yours, yours wasn't a dog family either, was it? Not as much, no. My father had a, a lovely Afghan hound called Cleo. Yeah, that was my uh, She was ferocious. <laughs> and um, she, but she was a theatre dog. She'd be always in his dressing room, wherever he was lying on the bed in his dressing room for when he needed a rest between, you know, if you're doing a two-show day with a matinee, lie down and have a rest. But he, she, Cleo was always there. And the first time I met Cleo, she was on the bed in the dressing room and I thought it was a fur rug. So I sat down and nearly got beaten by her. But uh, anyway, she was lovely and my father adored her. So we've had friends who had dogs. We had dogs around us, but none in the house when I was small, you know. Hello, hello, how are you? The children have been wanting to meet someone famous. Hello, children. Now, you won't know who oh, I am. No, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's very nice to meet you all. We're on holiday from Devon. Are you? Whereabouts are you in Devon? We're in North Devon. North Devon, which bit? Just outside of Biddeford. Lovely, yeah. lovely. How long are you down for? A few days? We go back tomorrow. You go back tomorrow? Have you had a nice time here? What have you seen so far? The London Eye. The London Eye? Was that a big hit? You enjoyed that? Yeah. What else? Houses of Parliament. You went inside the Houses of Parliament? Wow. It's very nice to meet you all. Are you year seven? Six? Five and six. Well, good luck. Take a picture, of course. Let's do it. Do you want me to take it and then you can get in it? Excuse me. Okay, smile. I'll take a few. 
Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> well done, Olive. You sat great so picture. nicely. Good girl. There's... <laughs> nice to meet you. Have a great day. I have a gorgeous day. Lovely and safe journey. Bye. Oh, how oh, exciting for them. Nice. They'll love that. So your dad was a very well-known actor who I remember. Yes, Tony Britton. So and he did Don't Wait Up and Robin's Nest and lots of musicals and lots of theatre stuff. It was you and your sister Cherry, yep. wasn't it? Yep. But he wasn't around as much when you were younger because your parents had split up. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It's funny that you know my sister Cherry, don't you? Isn't that weird? Yes, I should say, full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. I know Fern's sister. Well, my dad worked with Fern's sister, Cherry. Yeah. And it was one of those shows where they sort of just smoked on TV yes. and talked about politics yes. till four in the morning. It just yes. went it was sort of open-ended. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so... I suppose you just never knew any different. It was just you, your mum and Cherry, really, wasn't it? Yes, and I didn't find out until maybe 10 years ago, I suppose. My father told me. Um, he said, I have to tell you the truth, darling. Well, what's this? And he had left my mum and Cherry, my sister, um, before I was even conceived to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, to Because he had fallen in love with another woman. But he came home one day to see my sister and my mother. And anyway, by the time he'd left, I was conceived. So then it was very difficult, I imagine, for my mum, yeah. because maybe two or three months later, because it took a long time in those days to you know, really think, am I pregnant? I was on the way. And then he had to explain to his new love that he'd accidentally, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> So um, it was interesting to find that out 10 years ago. And then you go through the whole thing of, oh my gosh. So I was a big mistake, a big accident, oh dear. And then you think, no, I'm fine. He did love me. And my mum was a wonderful mum. She just never told me that story. And I remember at school, <laughs> this is so silly. I don't know why at school we would, we were about eight years old, nine years old. Mm. Why were they talking to us about bigamists? I've no idea. <laughs> so we talked about bigamy and I shot my hand up. I said, my father's a bigamist because I didn't know what it... And um, the teacher, I think, must have been in the loop. My mum must have said when I joined the school, you know. They... <laughs> and they just went, yes, dear, <clears throat> move on. <laughs> You're quite proud. Yes. Hooray. Because... The other children would often say to me, well, where's your father? And I'd say, he's an actor, he's working. Huh, don't believe you, you know, the yeah. usual stuff. And then suddenly I had something to say, yes! Yes, he's a bigamist. Of course he wasn't. But in some ways, Bernard, I think that's quite nice closure to find that out later on. Probably would it's have helped a lot. Yeah, because you realise there were very obvious practical reasons why yes. it was tricky for you to see, spend as much time with yes. him. You know. And I didn't know that I had a little brother because he married his second wife and had my brother. And I didn't even know I had a brother. Is this Jasper? Cherry did, yes. Yeah. Cherry knew and my mum knew, but they never told me. So when I found out I was about somewhere between 14 and 17, I don't know, that I had a brother. And when I was 17, I got the school English mistress to arrange a trip to the theatre to go and see my father because I hadn't seen him for such a long time. And uh, then I met my brother and he opened the front door. He was about 14 then. He opened the front door and he said, I've had to scrub myself with Vim to see you. <laughs> so yeah, weird, isn't it? I loved your autobiography, which you wrote. So 2008-ish, wasn't it? Yes. But so it's... I haven't updated that bit. There is that lovely story you tell in your autobiography about going, calling the theatre, which it kind of yes. made me well up a bit, actually, because yes. you sort of hadn't seen your dad. No. Yes, I spoke to the stage doorman. I was babysitting, and so in their house I felt I could find the number of the theatre and ring them without my mum being upset. And I, so I rang, knowing the show would start at half past seven, so I assumed he'd be there by seven o'clock because he was always late for everything. You should be in 35 minutes before any show goes up. It's called The Half. Yeah. And once The Half is called, you should, you've all got to be there. 
Anyway, the stage doorman went, yeah, okay, who shall I say is calling? And I said, uh, Fifi, because that's my family name. And uh, after a couple of minutes, I heard the walking of rather smart shoes on a concrete floor, as they do all his backstage. And he would always clear his voice before the phones I heard. <coughs> and he picked up, hello? I said, Donna, it's Fief. And that was, yeah, that was the beginning of getting to know him again. How lovely, Fern. Mm -hmm. It's very important to me to say that my mother, because yeah. you know, oh yes, my father was the famous yeah. man. And he was a wonderful actor and great company and all those things. But unfortunately, he was a man and a, one of those men who couldn't keep his trousers done up. You have to accept that. And um, he'd probably be furious if I said that. It's his birthday today, by the way. He'd be 98. Um, but my mum kept my sister and I together. She moved out of this huge house because my father couldn't afford to keep the big house going while he'd obviously got a new family going. And we moved into a teeny tiny little semi-detached 1960s box brand brand new at the time my sister still lives there and um, my mum kept it together with no money uh, she made jobs she took in lodgers and she taught in a tiny little well she she taught in the pre-prep school where I started and she went to teach drama carpentry all sorts of things she was incredible. She'd work in a dress shop. She'd yeah. do anything to get the money together. And then my stepfather arrived. George. George, yes. And um, at least she had some stability again, which was mm. good. Mm. But she was a fantastic mother. And yeah, fun, she... always fun. And she was mother and father to me. That's the yeah. important thing. Yeah. My father, I couldn't see him as a father figure. But he was a man who happened to be my father and a man I liked and we had good fun together. But in that case, he had the easier option. He didn't have to deal with me starting periods or crying over a boyfriend or spots or, you know, all of those things. Oh, what kind of doggy is that? I wish I knew. Have you stolen it? I have stolen it. Yes, yes, so stolen dog alert. Hello, beautiful. What do you reckon? So soft. Maybe. What's his name? Cooper. Hello, Cooper. This is Raymond and Olive. Oh, Olive is wonderful. Oh, come here, come here. Come, here. come on, Raymond. Do you want to play with a boy? Or... No, she said, I don't really like boys, thank you. <laughs> boys speak. Come on, Raymond. Bye -bye. Look fun. Oh, Raymond and Cooper. Raymond's like, I. Standing his ground, going, yeah, I might be half your size, but... Raymond has a sort of, how very dare you, every time anyone approaches him. Come on, Raymond. He has a wonderful presence. He's got a, he's got a big energy for a small He has, he has. No, don't, no, look, Cooper, this is a, no, Olive is a lady. He doesn't want your nose up her bum. Okay, thank you. Come along, Olive. Thank you, bye-bye. I'm obsessed by your grandmother. She's wonderful. I mean, I could do a whole podcast on her. She's but wonderful. wonderful. But she was this incredibly colourful character, wasn't mm -hmm. she? You, as a result of her, you ended up going on cruises a lot, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was... Um, she, <laughs> she was born in Mauritius back in 18-something or other. And she came from a very poor family. And something happened when she was about 18. I'm not quite sure, but we think she, she certainly got pregnant. Probably a soldier going off to the First World War. Mm -hmm. And possibly he was my great uncle. We don't know. But he died in the war and she had this baby on her own. And she had to give the baby up for adoption, a private adoption. She gave him to a couple and she kept contact with him for a long time sending money and letters and photos and she'd have them in return and then she met my grandfather and married him mm. and then had three other children my mother and two brothers but in the meantime we think that she married my grandfather who was the younger brother of the man who was the father of her son but she could never tell anyone she'd had this other baby and as soon as she got married to my grandfather she just shut it all down, didn't write anymore, didn't hear from him anymore, didn't, you know. And so I had this uncle 
who I didn't know, none of us knew existed. She'd kept it so under wraps. Mm. And it wasn't until the 80s, when I was on television in Plymouth, um, someone, his, my uncle, was uh, on holiday and saw me on television and wrote me a letter Aww. saying, is your mother Ruth and is your grandmother Beryl? And so I wrote back going, yes, how amazing, how do you know her? And the letter came back going, well, this is going to sound like a shock, but I am your uncle. <laughs> so I said, well, you're going to have to send me some proof. So he sent me copies of the letters and the photos and all the things that my grandmother had sent him. And there was a photo of her with him and her handwriting, so I knew it was true. Mm. And uh, then I had to tell my mum <laughs> wow. on a Sunday lunch, doing the washing up afterwards. And I said, Mummy, I've, I've had this letter from someone. And I told her and she stopped the washing up and she just turned and looked at me and said, well, that doesn't surprise me. Mm. And in older life, after the war, my uncle found her and came to the front door of a house that she lived in. She ran a boarding house. And my uncle, who we thought was the oldest son, he opened the door and um, Nana said, saw this guy and said, go away, go away. And uh, my uncle, she said to my uncle, shut the door. And my uncle shut the door in the face of his brother because he didn't connect it. Told him to go away. So it's all so sad. Thank God that all these things, you know, babies out of marriage yeah. and complications. I mean, as humans, we're such a mess. Olive just wants to look at that duck. Olive's so. heading. We should say what's happening, friends. She was headed straight for the this Coot. little lake, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tap, put your feet in? She wants to see this Canada goose. Oh, come on, Raymond. I'm worried about these geese. They seem to have a bit of an attitude problem. No, they're looking after their babies. Yeah, they are. You're right, Fern. That's all it is, girl. Yeah. true. So you, um, this, your childhood, you moved around. You kind of, after the divorce and stuff, you ended up... You slightly redu not reduced circumstances, but your life changed a bit, didn't it? Because yeah, we were in a big house in Gerald's yeah. Cross that was... Gerald's Cross became very um, smart yeah. and full of actors and directors because there was Denham Studios just down the road, Pinewood, Television Centre, Ealing Studios. You know, it was all very close by. And so my father had bought this house and I don't think he ever lived in it, actually, probably. Mm. I don't know. Um, but it was lovely, nice big garden, and we had, um, I had a sort of au pair called Valtraut from Germany, and we had a lovely cleaning lady, and uh, it was all rather smart, and I was at a very smart little school, pre-prep, um, where we called the teachers by nicknames, so it was um, the headmistress, Elsie Bird, was known as Birdie, and there was Miss Chisholm, who was known as Chizzy, and there was Mrs. Carter, who was known as Carty, and Mrs. P.T., Mrs. Point and Taylor. <laughs> in fact, I've made the um, secretary to one of the characters in the book, Tommy Lassell's <laughs> P.T., because she was great. One of my favourite teachers. Oh, which way? Let's go this way first. Yeah, let's. Maybe we should turn idea. around, because that's... Um, so, look, Olive is so interested in these pigeons. You're a bird dog, aren't you? <laughs> um... So, what was I going to say? Oh, we were talking about your your Yeah, so that, this little smart yeah. school. So, there were lots of actors and directors' children there, and yeah. it was all very filmy, and we were all sort of very, <laughs> very funny little children who just thought that, oh, this is the world, and um, I was always called Fifi. I didn't know my name was Fern. Not until I was taken out of that school and put in the primary school in the village. And people were going, Fern, in the classroom, you know, the teacher. I'd be looking around. Thinking, oh, me! Oh. <laughs> so that took me a while. Was it obvious you were going to perform from a young age? No, I think not. My sister was uh, destined for all of that sort of thing. She was mm. very clever. She did dancing and she was very beautiful. And she did modelling. She was very slender and long blonde hair and tall. Um, she wanted to be an actress, thought about it. Then she went to work at Pinewood Studios and then she ended up at the BBC, mm. which is wonderful. But no, nothing really was expected of me at all. Um, I blew all my O-levels, really. Only got five. 
wrecked all my A-levels. None. Never told anybody that, of course. <laughs> so I oh, no, I've got three A-levels and five degrees. <laughs> Until I said one day, I haven't got anything, actually, but I've done all right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so nothing was expected. So I had free range to just step out into life. And it kind of happened to me. I didn't plan a thing. Amazingly. And you trained as a stage manager originally at Central. Yes. Yeah. And how... I get the sense that was probably really good training in some ways for being on a production in front yeah. of camera because you totally understand yeah. the sort of what, what it takes the for pressures. the crew and what pressure they're under. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved it. I really found my purpose to be alive at that stage. Look at this oh. gorgeous allotment. Look at, hang on a minute. Duck Island Cottage. Swiss chalet for a British bird keeper. Look at that beautiful little building. Latticed oh. and Look, fine. can we leave it? Tell us what this is in your beautiful voice. Okay. So this pretty cottage was built in 1841 as the home of the bird keeper in St James Park. It also had a club room for the Ornithological Society of London, which once helped to look after the park's ducks and geese. The design, like a Swiss chalet, was intended to be a contrast to the grand architecture of government buildings nearby. Yeah, because we're not far from Downing Street and all that, are we? Oh, yeah. The cottage has been altered several times and is, its use has also changed. It was once a store for bicycles confiscated in the park, but the garden around it... Fern likes her gardens. I love a garden. <laughs> There's um, beetroot and peas and beans, nasturtiums, which are oh companion planting nasturtiums because they attract all the beetles and the... Sorry. So, yeah, so that all came later. You were a stage manager. As you were just saying, you took to it really well and you were good at it. And Yeah. Yeah, I can see you would be, actually. Cause you're... I liked the organisation. Are you quite organised? Mm. Yes. Oh. Are you a list person? Yes. Oh. I write a list to make a list you know all that stuff yeah and love ticking off a list Ooh. so yeah I did that and then um, worked around worked with lovely actors and some perhaps not so lovely actors but it was lovely and uh, then by accident I fell into television so there you go you started obviously it was TVS was it, it yes was in the no West. no um, Westwood television Westwood in television sorry in yeah, Plymouth yeah. so you started at Westwood television and then you, I remember first coming aware of you when you were doing breakfast TV yes. on the BBC. With Frank Roth. Did you learn a lot doing that? I did. Um, I'd been working with the BBC in Plymouth for a couple of years before I got to breakfast time. And um, working in a newsroom was completely new to me. I had no mm. idea how to interview anybody. All I could really do was read autocue very well. <laughs> yeah. That's my only natural in my natural talent. Oops, I just knocked microphone off. Olive, sweetheart. Your natural talent, though, which is quite rare, I think, is that you're completely authentic on TV. I, that's why I'm a terrible actress. I can't <laughs> inhabit anyone else. I can only do me. So that's why on this morning it worked, because I always felt with you that was very much who you were. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I hope it was, yes. <laughs> I hope it was like a bloody idiot most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> an idiot with a bit of brain. I've got a confession to make on it. I don't know if I should keep this in because it's probably... I, have, I quite like that look. Do you know, as it came towards me, I thought, ooh. So we've just seen four what look like paramilitary policemen with forage caps on, and they are absolutely rattling with, with all kinds of weapons and uh, cargo trousers with goodness knows what stuck in them and they yes they were just walking four abreast towards us and everybody made way for them they were an assortment of age there was one for me one for you oh my <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't like me. the look of yours though sorry <laughs> <laughs> what i like is well lovely <laughs> how dare you i'm feeling quite protective over mine suddenly <laughs> yeah marksman oh, well we should i want to bring things up to speed to your writing but yes. we should just say at that point you went to you spent obviously 10 years at this morning and you completely I mean your legacy is incredible I think on that show what you did no I do oh, because thank you I, I loved it and I think 
It became slightly irreverent, which I like. The, la the laughter. <laughs> well, it did become slightly irrelevant. Yeah, irreverent. irreverent. <laughs> and I'm slightly irrelevant now. But anyway, but um, <laughs> yes, you have to only look on YouTube to see all the mistakes. And uh, everyone finds them very amusing. So, you know, there was the best thing we ever had was somebody wrote to us and said, yesterday, I wanted to kill myself. I sat in the kitchen, I took all the pills out of the bottle, and I had a big bottle of whiskey, and I was going to start to take them. So sorry, dog in the way with prams and babies. And um, this person said, I had the television on, and you two started laughing. Oh. And I started laughing, and I laughed so much I thought perhaps life is worth living after all. Isn't that amazing? So if anyone's feeling crappy, yeah. do please go on and see my entire career going down the pan. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so after you left this morning, yes. after that point, did you feel, right, fresh start? It was ready. It was a, it was a moment in it, uh, literally a split moment that made me resign that day. Mm. I didn't know I was going to resign that day, but something happened and I just thought, yeah. And I left and I went to nothing and thought, well, what next then? And then my autobiography had gone well and then, you know, Harper Collins said, would you like to write a book? And I thought, no, I can't do that. Anyway, 10 books on. <laughs> and this one, uh, I was The Good Servant is number 10. So you've been, it's 10 novels you've written. Uh-huh. It's incredible. Yeah. And they're hugely successful. They're all bestsellers and, and this Last late... year's one was number one. I got my first number one. It was there for about a month. I was so thrilled. You must feel so proud of yourself. Do you sort of pat yourself on the back sometimes and think... It takes a long time because there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Is there? Yeah. Um, yeah, which is why I don't uh, think I ever took my career in television that seriously if I did. I might be doing Newsnight now, which I'd have loved. <laughs> but because I'm such an idiot, and people think, oh, she's just, you know, too stupid. But I'm not, actually. I'm quite bright. Yeah, and she actually, says, I think... I took, when I was married to my first husband, because, of course, I've had legions. <laughs> but anyway, when I was married to my first husband, who had his degree and everything, <laughs> and I don't have a degree, and um, I secretly went off. He did a Mensa test. <gasps> I lied to him. I said I was going somewhere else. <laughs> And it took a whole day to do this Mensa test, and I passed, and uh, quite well. Then he was furious, and so he went and did it, because he's got a huge brain, but he's not a problem solver, and he didn't get it. <laughs> so that was a, an immense rift between us opened up. So, yeah. yeah. I also think things have changed now, but in some ways I think you were quite a trailblazer, because... We were so used to seeing, it's a bit like comedy if you like, mm -hmm. we were taught that there was only one way to be made to laugh and that yeah. was how men made you laugh. Yes. And equally with the way news was presented or current affairs, it was like it's the yes. way men present it. And a certain type of man, let's be honest. Yes. Well, I just think sometimes if I'm sitting in front of a politician, the only way to not be scared and be scared that you're going to be bamboozled and all of that stuff by them because they'll say, yes, but you don't understand the Interim Act of 1963 <laughs> that... But I go, okay, I'm a voter. Yeah. I'm a voter. I'm voting you in. And this is what I want to know. And right now, what would you be asking them? I'd like to say, why can't you cut the tax on fuel right now? Yeah. Right now, at the pump, for a little while, you'll still be absolutely fine. Cut that today. Thank you. And everybody just wants to have a life where they can have a home, have a family, have enough food, have a nice job, and enough is enough. You don't need billions, you just need security and love and a nice home. Yeah. Very simple. But everybody gets greedy and then they start lying and then, ugh, politics, huh? I want to talk about your latest book, actually. Yeah. And as you were saying, you suddenly decided I well, suddenly decided, like it's some whim. I mean, it took a lot of work, but you became a writer. Mm. Well, I had four children going on to university, so 
I thought, okay, well, they've asked me to write a book, let's see what I can do. Awesome, yeah, yeah. I know they're, they've got their proper hats on, they look very nice. No forage caps there. So do you feel they're racily holding that little box on their belt that's got the cufflinks in it? No, not cufflinks, were they? Handcuffs. <laughs> cufflinks? Yeah. Yeah, they've got their special police cufflinks in there. Because you never know when the Queen's going to pop up. Do you? <laughs> if Bruin was arrested, oh, go on then. Put the cufflinks on here. <laughs> so, okay. I want to talk about your brilliant new book, which is called The Good Servant. Hmm. And appropriately enough, we are in Royal Park country. Yes. And it's a fascinating book because it's a historical novel and it's based essentially on the life of a real person who is the, the Queen and Princess Margaret's nanny, Marion Crawford. Governess, not Governess. nanny. Because in the papers, they, a long time ago, they always wrote, Crawfee, the Queen's oh. nanny, kissed and told, she had to go, she embarrassed everybody, goodbye. And that's been going on for decades now. And I thought, as someone who's faced the wrath of people <laughs> for doing nothing, um, I thought this woman has been really cancelled, as we would say nowadays. And I want to really look at this to see, did she do that deliberately? Was it out of spite? Was it for the money? And what she did, of course, was have a book published under her name, Marion Crawford, called The Little Princesses, which was full of the sweetest, most anodyne little stories and anecdotes about the girls growing up and life in general and a little bit of how difficult it was during the abdication and the war and things. Sweet. She got tricked into it, though. <laughs> she, she was told that the royal family were not very popular in America and the Americans really wanted the Brits to thank them for all the work they'd done for the war and all the American troops that had been lost fighting this war in Europe. Mm. And anything to make the royal family happy, she would do. So she was, sort of a message came to her, oh, we wonder whether you could right. write some of this, you know, hissing at us. They're like bloody snakes, these geese. <laughs> yeah, and so she did give a few little anecdotes to these unscrupulous American journalists who owned the Women's Home Journal in America, hugely selling magazine. And they sent over a typist to, for um, Crawford to tell the story of everything she knew behind the scenes. All very innocent. <laughs> Look at him, that Canada goose. He just spread his wings out. They must be Wait, four feet across. He was some sort of Liberace of geese, wasn't he? He <laughs> was did. like, I'm like here, everybody. Yeah. Yes. He was like, I'm here. Deal yeah. with it. But he's got the babies up here. Here they are. Very protective. Geese full stop are very aggressive. Right. Yeah, they can come and get you. My mum used to have two called Lo and Behold. And they, she put them in the apple orchard. They were side apples and the geese got drunk <laughs> on, the, on the windfalls. Oh, look at this. This is lovely, isn't it? Anyway, she had these stories and she was, she was reassured time and time and time again by her ruthless husband that if she signed the contract, it would be absolutely fine. Yes, the Queen approved of everything. No, her name wouldn't appear. And the book did. And then she was cast out from the family that she loved and had worked with for 17 years, postponed her wedding for 14 years, because it was never the right time, Crawford dear. You must stay with us, Crawford dear. You know, princesses can't do without you, Crawford dear. Weird, we're just walking past Buckingham Palace right now. <laughs> and did you find the process of obviously writing a historical novel, how does that, because you're writing about real people, things. and how, a large percentage of it is research and... Yeah, tons of research. A year's research that was, which was great fun. Was uh, it? Mm, I really enjoyed it. it. Made me want to do... I did A-level history, flunked it, of course. And then I thought, do you know what? I really would like to do a degree in history. Now I'm old enough and my brain is open enough to do it. When you're 18, nah, too young, I want to go out and have fun. You know. It's such an interesting period in history anyway, but I, I also think her story, what you're saying about that thing 
You're absolutely right. There, she was cancelled essentially. It was, she was. Fir- one of the first big high-profile cancellations, really. Yeah, and she lost everything. She lost the family she loved. She lost her dignity. She lost her reputation. She was shunned by her colleagues who'd mm. been very close to. She, she just lost out mm. and moved off up to Scotland with a lot of money from the book, which must have helped a bit. But she was a woman who wanted respect and love, mm. and she would have had it if she'd just gracefully retired, but it didn't work that way. And mm. I, I just, yeah, I just feel this whole cancel culture, culture that we call... <laughs> cancel culture, it is. Yeah, sorry. That, sorry. <laughs> we won't have us <laughs> on the phone break. Oh, really? <laughs> I think the word is a great word, personally. Use it a lot. We're but women, it, we can, we're yeah, allowed to. we're allowed. But it is, yeah, it's this... Ca- it's the this cancel way. culture of yeah. now. No one is allowed to have done anything good. And the minute they say something bad, done. You know, you're done. Mm. Well, why? Mm. I mean, I appreciate if you're Hitler or Putin yeah. or <laughs> any of the yeah. above. Yeah. yeah, you need to be cancelled and quickly. Yeah. Someone should have cancelled Putin a long time ago. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just wanted to revive her reputation. I hope... That if she has living relatives, I really hope that if they read the book, they'll think that I might have done a nice job on her because I think she was a good person at heart, mm. but she was hurt so badly when she died. You know, there wasn't a card or a wreath or anything. And she had a bad marriage and, ah, you know, poor woman. Should we cross over the southern bridge? Here. And look at the leaves as well. Just stand around a minute. We've just walked under this incredible tunnel of London plane trees. And they're giants, aren't they? And so beautiful. This looks like a ginkgo biloba, she says. Oh, she knows. I don't know, but it looks like a ginkgo biloba. Oh, you do know. Look at you, I don't know. <laughs> well, sometimes I talk claptrap. You know, oh, yeah, I can say quite forcibly, no, uh, 1066 was actually 1067. And make people believe it, but I know it's not true. So, Fern, I want to talk about your lovely kids, because you, you've got four. You've produced a lot of them. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever you've have one. Well. Did I you know. not? No. I had a few problems. So the twins are IVF, mm. and that's wonderful. And they're now nearly 29 mm. and doing their thing. They're great boys, actually. I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Young men, I should say. They really are young men now. And my girls are, one's just turned 25, and the little one is 21 in August. And they're having a wonderful time. They're working in Cornwall. Uh, the older one, she's bought a house and is struggling, keeping all the payments going, things, but she's doing it. And the little one, she lives with me. I did say to her the other day, darling, you're nearly 21. Do you really want to live with a 65-year-old mother? She says, yeah. So that's nice. And you're in Cornwall? Yep. And your your life sounds really lovely. Yes, I've tried to make it. No, I haven't tried to make it. It has happened to me. It's come to me. And I try hard to really appreciate it, slow down, smell the air. But you're very resilient as well. I always get this sense, just from what I know about your life, it's like these things would happen to you. Mm. You know, your marriage would split up or you'd a job would fall through or something and you'd be, right, leave that house, go on to the next thing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You never... Yeah, you're I'm quite resilient, of aren't you? Change. I think I am. That doesn't mean to say that I haven't had uh, issues of lack of confidence, anxiety. Look, yeah. he's being loved up by a dear little girl. Do you think you've got better, I suppose, at thinking, oh, no, I'm having a bad day, that I don't always have to cope? I'm learning it now, yes. Mm. And the thing is that life, you can't be happy every, every day, every hour, every minute. You can't. Yeah. And it's, life is really a big endurance challenge. Mm. Really is, isn't it? And things go bad and you have to have resilience. Yes, you do. Um, or else, if I didn't have the children, you know, I don't know what I'd have done. I might have just shriveled up and disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. Does the children have kept me alive, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you think you're happier writing, Fern, than doing... I mean, you still are performing and on TV and you do things, but do you think that, that white heat intensity, <laughs> you know, that you were under that level of scrutiny and stuff, is your life a bit calmer and happier in some ways now? 
in lots of ways, yes. Mm. I'm, I've got three more books to write after this one, and that, there's anxiety, yeah. thinking, oh, God, I've got to go through that process again. Because each process is actually very hard and very painful. I know you've written yourself, mm. haven't you, about losing your parents and your sister. And um, you must have had to, had to have girded your loins to write things to get them out on the page. Yeah. And some of that is very difficult. And you do, I do put a lot of experiences that I've had in my life into books. And it's good to lay them out there as invisible clues. And, <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I said it out loud. It's on the page. I don't have to say it to the person. I don't have to reveal it. But it's there. And I know it's there. Mm. I feel you're not frightened to be vulnerable. And I like that about you. Oh, right. Sorry, thank, thank you. you. Not at all. Um, I think so. I think it's important. I mean, all of my life is out there <laughs> now. Everything. Um, and it's not something I would have, in an ordinary life, expected to do. Yeah. But hey ho, it's happened. Well, Fern, I've absolutely loved our walk. And I mean, how about a cup of coffee? We're in the restaurant now. Should we stop and have a cup of tea? I feel I've bonded with you. What do you think? Do you think, Raymond, let's be... Will you be completely honest here? OK, completely <laughs> honest. If this is speed dating, it hasn't happened. Has it? I mean, they're blissfully ignoring each other, so they're either deeply, passionately feeling something, or they're just going, la, la, la. Well, yeah. Raymond, we're going to have a coffee now. He's wagging his tail for Yes. And I really, honestly, please do go out and immediately devour Fern's book, The Good Servant, because it's so brilliant. Oh. You'll read it in a night. I oh. It um, takes me two years to write that. It's like <laughs> a chef making something that's taken him three weeks and you eat it in two minutes. It's quite insulting. Oh, that took me two hours to read. <laughs> it's an absolutely brilliant book. And especially if you like things like The Crown as well. Yes, there's you'll quite be a bit. all over it. So, The Good Servant, which is out now. Yep. Um, Fan Britain, thank you so much. I really think you're... I think you're a really lovely woman. That's going to make me cry, so thank you very much, T. <laughs> That's lovely. It's just lovely. I've had a lovely couple of days here in London with everybody being nice to me. So thank you. It's really, really wonderful. Oh, you know, I'm going to get cancelled. Oh, God bless you. Say bye to Ray, Fern. Bye-bye, Raymond. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.